0: Hey it's Joseph and Anaya Bogue And our guest Ben, ben Lee. Lee Hello
1: It's going to be a great so show So I thought I have to say my name Because she said okay, it right, right. <laughs> No no it's
0: okay Let's <laughs> keep it going, uh-huh. going Anyway <laughs> Ben's our guest this week on the show And I'm telling you right now Buckle to, up That's to, what you need to do We love to up. say buckle up I do because it's good It's like a spiritual roller coaster That we're yes. going to go on And I'm just going to say this Ben yeah. By the end of this episode I wanted you to be my dad All right, we'll see what we can do. (laughs) We'll get the paperwork. I'm hugging my dad right now. Here we go. I love you. Stay tuned. Stay tuned for Rad (laughs) Parenting.
1: I think one of the big things um, for me has been realizing how many of the thoughts we have and feelings we have were actually defined by other people and other systems of perception. Uh, meaning we have thoughts that we now think are our own that really were handed down generationally through our family or through political systems mm-hmm. or through economic systems. We have capitalist fantasies. Uh, that, that They're really not innate in the sense that, like, as parents, we know that when you meet your child and you get to usher them through those first few years, um, they don't think in that way. Those are things that come later, you know? And so for me... It's kind of a process of, uh, you know, I'm I'm making this record at the moment, just finishing it. It's called Freedom, Love, and the Recuperation of the Human Mind. Because I really see the process of living as about recuperating our original mind back. You know, it gets lost. It, like, gets taken by all these systems, by religions, by... And we sort of have to, like, win our minds back to actually think for ourselves and realize, like, wow... I'm working for all of these goals and all of these fantasies that really have nothing to do with who I am. They're really other people's definitions of success and stuff. Yeah, almost like –
2: But what what an important starting place to bring this to the context of parenting Mm. because I think that this is part of the challenge. It's part of the reason I always say my own personal opinion – that people generally shouldn't get married until they're at least 30 because i i think unless we've been through some extraordinary guidance or circumstances we don't begin to know ourselves and go through that process of yeah what what is my own and what have has been acquired or what has been imprinted on me by my family by society and so on and then secondarily you know don't rush to get married and start having children because we are just not as well-equipped as we could be if we do some of the work that we're talking about you having done. And I think all of us in this room have have been working on. So I think my question is as a parent, how do you take what you've discovered about yourself, about fame, about success, um, and about all of this like thoughts that aren't our own, how do you take that into being a parent? Mm
1: -hmm. Well, I think there's a couple things. Um, In order to adequately respond to a challenge, whether that's raising children or being an artist or whatever we're trying to do, we have to be very in reality, you know, about what, what the challenge is. Mm -hmm. Like same with, I always think now with environmental issues, um, we have to really look at it, look at the data, you know, like if we're going to solve the problem, we have to understand what's happening. It doesn't mean get depressed about it, Mm -hmm. but be totally in reality. And this is kind of the bad news portion of anything we're trying to do in life in that it's not good. The situation is not good. It's not good psychologically in terms of each of us, the damage that we've has been done to our psyches by being a member of this society that's gone so crazy. Um, it's not that good for our kids in the sense of what is the human journey. You know, whatever it was 3,000 years ago, the Buddha said, life is suffering. You've basically brought someone into this world who is going to suffer. Mm-hmm. It's not good. You know, it's not a good situation. So you've got to get out of fantasy about it and imagining this, uh, oh, I'm going to be the perfect parent and raise a child that never feels any pain and that just all their creativity just flows out of them. And, like, it's not going to happen. That is not the world that we live in. This is a world in which the ego doesn't just dominate us individually, but it dominates us as a society, and it's very, very difficult to try and liberate ourselves from. So for me, that's really crucial, um, not to be in sort of like a, a fairy wonderland mm-hmm. fantasy about what what this world is. Um, so from that space, well, what does it mean? Okay, like whether it's karmic or my own desires or n- nature, biological imperative, I've become a parent. Um, too late to go back on that. Mm-hmm. Here we go. I'm in this situation. <laughs> We're in it. Um, I, it kind of, I think for most of us, we feel like this snowball effect and it really is, I think it really is karmic in that like, you can't, you've got to work through it. And I don't, I, that's why I'm sort of reluctant to, I don't look at it as like all good or all bad. Like when people say parenting is the best thing that will ever happen. Mm-hmm. To you. I think there's a lot of fantasy in that, you know? Agreed. And just like, I think when I see monks or people that are ascetics and who just say like, um, oh, I'm going to, I'm, I'm not going to bring a child into this world. Again, there's like a level of like, trying to buffer themselves Mm -hmm. from reality. So here we are. We've got these kids, right? (laughs) Um, So how do we usher them through this experience? I I really like the word steward Mm. um, because I don't believe it's an important precept for me to realize that it's actually not our job to tell our child the perfect way to manifest their destiny because I don't think we know. We actually don't know what our kid's destiny is. That's something that can only come from that stroke of genius within them, from God, from their higher self, you know, intuition. And so I think that's really important because a lot of us feel inadequate in the sense of our own level of self-realization. Oh, I'm so unrealized. I'm so dominated by ego. I'm so competitive with my peers. I'm so driven by these sort of like materialist concerns. How can I possibly teach my child, Sure, you, totally. you just nailed it on the head and right you, there. And you don't have to be able to teach them exactly. You just have to try and hand them over to their internal wisdom. And so that's how I kind of see the job of mm-hmm. being a parent. So I think I'm on an exploratory journey with my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I can hopefully like, it's like a garden or something, you know, I wouldn't be the first person to compare that, but it's like, you know we we're not in control of nature, like there are going to be forces that are way outside our realm of expertise or experience, but I look at it in terms of like how can I contribute to my child actually being able to listen internally to their guidance. Mm-hmm so that they can fulfill whatever their mission is on a person, whether or not you have a quote-unquote spiritual. Like I think that's another word that is like it's become almost, it's got so much baggage, spirituality, because people think, oh, it means you have to be sitting with your legs crossed and praying and eating vegan food and doing (laughs) yoga, you know, whatever these things are. Whereas, you know, to be concerned with spirit is really just to be concerned with something beyond the material world, however you view that, and that... I mean, I know like staunch atheists that deeply follow their intuitive guidance with how to live their life. Like they don't just do what science tells them to do. They have a hunch Mm -hmm. and they follow it. So I think whether they call that spirituality or not, that's spirituality, you know? So that's kind of what I mean is that like, take the baggage off what it Mm -hmm. means to like introduce spirituality to your kid and, um and start really living it with them.
2: Well, and I think that that's key. And we've talked a lot here about the power of modeling certain behaviors. Like I'm, I'm, I say very frequently here how important it is for us to allow our children to see us struggle, to see us make mistakes, so that we give them permission to do the same and to Mm. see us move through the struggle and come out on the other side. So as well, so that they can see that it's okay to Mm. struggle and come out on the other side. That in fact there are internal muscles that are in in fact awakened because of the struggle that we go through. Um, But I don't know. I think that a lot of parents get so afraid, and there's a lot lot of parent shaming in our society that we think we are supposed to always present as though we know how to do it. We're always going to do it correctly. We can't admit that we've made a mistake. And that puts a lot of pressure on parents and they sort of shut down and, and end up limiting their children instead of actually expanding the, the potential.
1: And even with your kids, like I apologize to my kids mm-hmm. often. Like when they criticize me, And that can even happen like yesterday, Goldie, my little girl, was saying goodbye to her friends that are moving to France for a year. And she said, you didn't tell me that was going to be the last time I was going to see them. And she was crying. Mm. And I said, oh, I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry I wasn't clear about that. It wasn't like a big deal. It's just, it struck me that the trust we're building as peers, and I don't mean like you have to be best friends with your kids, but... Like, truly, like, aside from the role you're playing in a family, you're both just individuals trying to work out how to live in this strange mystery of a I, universe. Yes, and, you're, like, you're right. you can just say, like, as a brother. I mean, I kind of look at my my kids as, like, we're also, like, brothers and sisters. We're co-humans. We're humans <laughs> that are, like, equally confused. And I just yes. say, oh, sorry. Yeah, you're right about that. And I can see there's a trust that's building up through. And truly, like, if you ask me about what is spirituality really, I really believe it's the ability to examine yourself and see your mistakes and your hypocrisy and then to rectify it. Mm -hmm. That's it. It's like, take the rest out of it. And when I see that that's what I want to model, I want my kids to be able to say, hey, I think you made a mistake with that. And I'm not going to jump and automatically say, yes, I did. I'm going to think about it. And I'm going to see from their side. And if I think I made a mistake, I'm going to say, sorry, I won't do that again. That's how to model a spiritual path. Right? I had I had a moment that exactly about what you're talking about in the last 24 hours with my son.
0: Uh, it was the classic moment, father-son, butting heads. It got heated. Things were said. <laughs> I was watching my tongue to not... Uh, lead the conversation down the road of any shaming or anything like that. Like I've gotten way better with just not going, you know, for the throat. Because you're like, hey, this is my. He's a 12 year old. He and I always say something, Ben. That I always say to my kids, and I've said this in the house, and and, and it's totally true. I'll say. Hey man, check it out. It's my first time being a dad. It's my first time being it. 50. It's my first time doing this. Yeah. And it's your first time being 12 and it's your first time being 15. So guys, let's, let's, this, we're both learning some compassion. Yeah, And my wife said to me, once you write that down that you're so right. Like she's like, that's the best thing I've ever heard you say. Cause I said to the household, I, this is my first time being a dad guys. It's your first time being kids. It's our first time being a family. And it, that, that kind of, corralled everyone in and like, oh, I can learn too. Like I can learn from them. They can learn from me. But the moment that I had with my son was and it's it's the ego. It's the uh it's what I carry with me as being a father. You will not disrespect me. You will not talk that way to me. Where does that come from? That comes from generations and generations of, of Italian men in my family. <laughs> you know, and, it's, I don't, and, and that's a trigger for me. And we were, we were there and it got heated. He said something to me that was like, wow, how dare you? But I caught myself. And I said, we're going to talk about that later. You know, you go on your way. I'm going to go on my way. We need a break for a second we got t- together this morning and I could tell he was embarrassed at what he had said. And, and basically, and I, as a dad, I was like, I, I said, I, and then this, I'd literally said I go, bro, come on. I get it. You're embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. That was lame, but check it out. Like, I'll tell you right now, let's just hug, put that behind us. No hangover. And he, he looks at me and he gets up and he's, and he started to smile. And then, you know, we hugged, and we started the morning and immediately his mood changed and my you know we went back to
2: Joseph I love that <laughs> really it's making me feel like yeah, yeah it's that hurt, that yeah. touches my I heart. just didn't really know beautiful.
0: but I'll be honest with you when when with what Ben was saying there is all of that baggage that we carry where there yes. was a voice in my head I'll be honest that says you're letting them off too easy bro you're letting you know you need to you can't you know you need to and then there was a part of me I was like no because in our household at our house we are not afraid to apologize to each other. We're not afraid to say sorry. I say sorry to the kids. Like, hey, man, sorry. I totally blew it right there. I've said that. My wife has said that. So that upbringing that, that, we, like you said, the brother and sister analogy, the brothers and sisters in this big family,
1: I, I can really identify mm-hmm. with that. And, and and something else I think that's interesting that I've kind of experienced a lot in music and business and With the oils and different things is that essentially there's a a sales experience that you're having with your children. If you're kind of like, hey, if I think I've figured out a couple things, I want to impart that to you. But what you actually want is you want the kid to choose in. You don't want them to be forced into like, because anyone can discipline anyone else into just forcing them to adapt to that with enough, you know, just dominate domination basically. Um, and so I think part of what gets lost is that there also has to be kind of like a seduction into intelligent thinking, you know, and that you want to demonstrate that intelligent thinking has a power that should be chosen you know, and not punish your kid for choosing an easy way out of something. But, um, so yeah, I look at it in terms of like one of the things I've said to my little girl since she was really little was some of the things that I tell you, you're going to hear things that are totally the opposite out in the world. And you're going to have to decide whether you want to take my advice on it. Or you want to take your mm-hmm. peers' advice about it, you know, because that's what's going to happen. And not a, my ideas, a lot of them are kind of unfashionable. They go against the grain, you know. But I just want you to know you actually do have a choice. Because what happens a lot of the time is that the the system itself, you mm-hmm. know, culture, views on sexuality, on language, on being cool and all these things. It's like we automatically think, oh the system's telling me it. It must be right. I'd better adapt. I'd better start talking. I'm just saying, I just want you to think for yourself, but I'm here to present to you a counter argument than what you're going to get out in the world. And I want you to choose it if you want to, because it's the more intelligent choice, not because I'm forcing it on you
2: right, which is essential and again we've talked here about how the the home is like the the practice ground and i i 've always said it's in my it's in my book i'm like if you are going to be an authoritarian and you're going to raise your children to because of fear of consequence or you know just because I'm your mother you know uh, or father then you will just ultimately be replaced by other authority figures. Unless you create space where your son or daughter can practice what it looks like and what it feels like to challenge the quote-unquote authority of the household and have intelligent conversation and exploration around that, they're going to go out into the world without those tools.
1: Absolutely. And look at, like, even the education system. How You know, I saw something someone posted on Facebook the other day about how um, – you know, entrepreneurialism, say, is basically discouraged within the education system. What the education produces is workers. Mm-hmm. People that was designed for. That's what it was designed for. That was for the factory. Yeah, exactly. You come, yes. you go, you shuffle down here. Yes. You go to lunch. You get, smoke, you get a smoke. You get a smoke break, and yep. then you're out of here. That's right. There's, that's
0: no t- ta- there's no teaching about real finances. There's no teaching around critical uh, thinking. None of that. They don't because no. it wasn't designed. It was designed. Hey, we're, the people are going to have the money on top,
1: and that everyone's going to work for you. That's right. Exactly. And so it's kind of like you know when I was growing up, I had a lot of ideas. You know, like just little business ideas. Like I remember. People really liked, um, uh, what candy was it? Uh, I forget what the name of the candy was, but people really liked it at our school and there was a corner store that sold them for 35 cents and I went and bought, oh, nerds, those candies nerds, nerds, you know, um, 35 cents and then I would bring them to school and sell them for $2 and it was, it was very (laughs) honest in that everyone knew they were 35 cents. It wasn't like I was, I was just like, it was supply and demand. I was like. None of, you, none of you guys brought it to school. Yeah, you were providing a service of doing the legwork. Right. <laughs> and now, what infrastructure was there within the educational experience for, I think, I was actually displaying something that should have been encouraged, mm-hmm. whereas the principal commissive was, and he actually did say, very entrepreneurial, but you can't do that. And I understood why within that current structure you couldn't. But all of this is to bring it back to, like, how do we actually encourage our children to think mm-hmm because a lot if we just have them mimic us because we've dominated their minds or our religion has dominated their ability to actually have their own spiritual insights mm-hmm. or their school system has dominated their minds to you know not think outside a certain box they're really losing their creativity which is where like like i look at it as like the problems we have in the world today we actually need leaps of logic that are only going to be those moments of genius that are only going to come through people that are thinking outside the box. What? If we think inside the box, we're just going to yes. continue like depleting the environment. So I want I want my child, my children to be solution providers and to come up with ideas. Mm -hmm. So I need them to be thinking. I don't want them to just follow mandates.
2: Yeah. And I think also, I mean, the way that I think of it is, is raising our children to see themselves as being Mm co-creators, which is, you know, when you said 10 minutes ago or whatever about the reality, you know, of, of the world that we've created, you know, we say that taking responsibility, which so many of us are so resistant to doing because we, we've equated taking responsibility with acknowledging we've done something wrong instead of taking responsibility being this ultimate act of empowerment. Because we say, oh, okay, so if I'm responsible, that means I had a hand in creating this current reality. Therefore, I can also have a hand in creating a different reality. And if we don't teach our children that, then they just feel like they are, you know, subjects. They're recipients of what just self-evidently exists, which, of course, is not the case.
1: That's right. Exactly. And by the same same token, I think... Guiding them towards perennial truths about human nature in a not, in a forceful way, but because they're true.
2: Okay, such as?
1: So one of them is to do with the nature of kindness. Mm -hmm. You know, this is something that it's not just meant to be like a Southern respect or manners Mm -hmm. thing, but you can actually achieve more by being kind. Mm -hmm. It's actually a better governing principle. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you were talking about as your business, like that complimenting the people that work for you at your record label, you actually get more productivity out of it. So, for instance, like the, uh, and that's a very, you know, material way of sort of almost like, um, you know, quantifying it, but the principle is that kindness is a powerful principle. Um, Another one to me is, and you were talking about um, swearing, but the 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 sacred nature of language. I mean, anyone who loves songs, loves poetry, understands that the word is powerful. In Hinduism, they say the nature of God is om. It's a sound. Mm -hmm. In Christianity, they say in the beginning was the word. Word. There's an idea that like every word you say matters. Now, I'm not Mm going to tell my kid what words to come out, but consider it. Consider you are creating your life with the words you use. This is a really important principle. Another one is to do with sexuality. Mm -hmm. Again, not to tell your kid exactly how to govern their sexual life, but to say this is your creative energy. Mm -hmm. It's not an accident. Like this world would not exist without sexuality. If you look at what marketers do to draw our attention towards something, they use sexuality. Mm -hmm. I, I said this to my daughter. We were driving along and there was a billboard W- um, with uh, a woman in a bikini or something.: For the boots.: Yeah for the boots: <laughs> exactly. I've that. That.
0: Yeah. Yeah. seen it too. What is it? It's been going on in <laughs> forever. forever right? And it's this woman in a bikini, and, and she's, you know, kind of sitting there laying there, and she has these big boots on and It's for
1: like the boot warehouse. That's right: and now my, like, that's right. And the example, I, 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 <laughs> I actually pointed it out to my daughter, and I said, "Hey, Goldie, so where am I driving you right now?" And she said, you're driving to my friend's house for a play date. I said, okay, right. So I'm trying to get somewhere. And who do I love? Who am I married to? And she said, mama. I said, okay, so how is that helping me right now? What we're seeing, like, what's that trying to do? And she didn't answer. I said, it's trying to distract me. Yeah. This is nothing to do. This is actually someone using sexual energy to try and take me off my game. Basically of what, you know, it's a real, di- and I said, this is the nature of in this world, People use sex for like silly reasons, basically, you know, not respecting how powerful it is. Mm-hmm. So this is another like universal principle that I think we can just teach our kids that, again, without being dictatorial, but telling them, hey, the word's powerful. Mm-hmm. Sex, powerful. Kindness, powerful. Treat them, that, to, to tell them those things are powerful mm-hmm. and to just, to think about them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> again, like I'm, don't tell them what to think, tell them how to think like that they can think right and about i think also concepts.
2: i think you're also tapping into the notion of of feeling of being, you know, I always say, how does it feel in your heart? Right. You know, or even th- when I when I ask about something that one of my girls want to do, I say, like, what's, you know, I'll go to Happy Feet. What's your heart song? What feels like when you're doing it, you just feel alive? Like, everything inside you is just on. It's lit up. That's th- That's a guide. It doesn't necessarily mean that's what you're going to do for your whole life. And I've got a 20-year-old, right? Yeah. So this is a big topic in our in our house right now. And I'm just like, this is your time to explore. What are the things that make your heart sing? What are the things that when you do something for an Another person you demonstrate compassion or kindness how does that feel to you because there is it's like a dance or an exchange of energy that's really beautiful but if we don't bring attention to those things then they become inundated with the thing that does to the point of the billboard that exists everywhere right that you know Chomsky calls weapons of mass distraction or or that you know just are part of mainstream media that's just everywhere and taking space in our brains and our hearts so that there isn't room for these other brain prompts and Heart prompts that we can offer as parents.
0: I love the, the I love the analogy. You use It's just a that's a distraction. That's t- that those those elements of society are full on distraction. And I love how you say from you being on your game, and from you getting from point A to point B. And in this example, it was the uh, woman in the boots. Uh, which was it on Melrose? Right? I, I've Cal- seen there's a few of them around. But it's really
1: it's a great example because yeah, yeah, we've look yeah. how funny that we've both yeah. noticed that. This form of manipulation, and it exists in all areas, it's interesting because take out the sexual element, but this idea of manipulation and distraction, and, uh, like, you see it in both political narratives that are being played out in a, not Obviously, there's more than two, but the two major political narratives being played out, there's this idea that, like, if we actually think... For ourselves if we're not being told what to feel, what to be attracted to, what to which pick a side with you know, that we're I, I truly believe like we are Dangerous to the system when we begin to think for ourselves well the thing the the yes. when you brought all that up Absolutely. about the about the
0: thinking and the free thinking, I remember years ago I went and saw uh with my wife we went to see uh Alfie Cohen speak, and the first thing he gets up there and hes it was it was right around the time the race to nowhere came out mm-hmm. and and he was right, the homework yeah yeah, was yeah. Homework, yeah. And he was yeah. talking he was talking it was great it was great to listen to him speak and um I know right now the listeners are like, Joseph went inside Alfie Cohen. Just so you know, that was like the only dude I've ever went. Like, <laughs> I, I was like, well, so it's not like that's, that, that's me rolling around on a Thursday night. But – the thing I loved about the way he opened his talk was he totally nailed everything you just said. He said, hey, I want to ask you guys questions, and he had this board out there. Give me some, uh, give me some ideas of how you want your kids to be because all of us had like our four and five, you know, five-year-old and six-year-olds. And it was like free thinker, individual, mm-hmm. uh, doesn't follow what everyone else does. And, boom, and he put that all down there, and then he went right into a conversation. But at home, are you like that? you just said you want them to be free thinking they talk back to you 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 want them to be an individual they want to go to school in rubber boots and a pink dress what you know and it was like everyone in the room was like wow mm-hmm. i want them to be this person that's going to choose their own path but when push comes to shove if it doesn't agree with what i want as a parent. And I don't then want I'm them terrified. to do it. And I remember that changed my Yeah, terrified. Yeah, and let, I really yeah. do believe And I
2: think we need to we need to address that. And maybe Ben yeah. you can speak to this. But I think that what I see in parents, and I've definitely faced it myself, is, you know, here's what I can see. Here's what I believe my children would benefit from. But I can't raise them in a bubble. And when I send them out into the world, and we did a show a couple of weeks ago about, you know, this mom called us or emailed us about her son or five year old little boy wanting to have pink nail polish or any kind of nail polish and she was like i totally want to let him do this i don't want to limit his you know emotional freedom his psychological freedom but i'm afraid that if i send him to school like this he's going to face a ridicule that he's not equipped to face what do i do
1: okay so you know this is a really interesting subject because i think we have to also discern the difference between thinking for yourself being a rebellious thinker and latching onto signifiers of rebellion to do with the way we dress, mm-hmm. the way we speak, the way we wear our hair, none of those indicate free thought. They're all other systems mm. that have just come in that we're conforming to, even children conform mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we should underestimate how early those systems convince our children that this is the way to rebel or mm-hmm. this is the way. And this is why having a psychological or a spiritual perspective on, you know, actually valuing the way we think as opposed to just the actions we take Mm -hmm. is really, really important because what you don't want to do is raise a kid who actually believes that they are not conforming by the way they paint their nails Mm -hmm. because it's nothing. It doesn't mean anything. You know, in a way, I, I kind of think that like, I would like to raise happy law abiding citizens. Who are radical thinkers? Mm. You know, I don't want to raise people that just think, oh, I'm going to put a piercing here and that means I'm a rebel. Because how's that going to like solve the climate crisis? <laughs> so you're saying that <laughs> you know? that's still
2: playing on the surface. So maybe that surface. when when a yeah. when a, a teenager or whomever is ma- taking those acts, it's I my guess would be that there's something deeper inside them that's saying something about this doesn't work for me, and I don't want to be a part of it. But we don't have the tools to know. Well, maybe I could actually do this, or I could work on some level of contemplation where there would be an internal shift. Instead, I'm just going to demonstrate that I'm setting myself slightly apart from the mainstream by making this act of whatever piercing yeah. and look nails. we
1: all did this like we all identified with subcultures mm-hmm. and war i remember like th- the way i had carried my bag or the types of jeans I wore. everyone was wearing baggy you know like, or, like yeah. <laughs> extra large and everything um and so we all experimented with that but ultimately as adults You know, what young people look at us and say is boring Mm -hmm. is the fact that we no longer carry these signifiers of rebellion because we've actually realized their futility. Mm -hmm. And that is a really good lesson that you can express to your kids that say, hey, look, you're welcome to try your hair in some crazy thing, but I would actually take a look at you might just be trying to draw attention to yourself Mm -hmm. that way. And there's probably something deeper, like you said, that we can examine about What is it you're seeing about the way your peers are thinking Mm -hmm. that is, like, are you able to actually contain that you look at things differently without making a big theatrical piece about it? Because a lot of, like, the whole thing of wanting to appear like a rebel Mm -hmm. is, like, we actually can't handle being a rebel. So we want to, like, slip into a mm-hmm. roll and get patted on the back and, and be like, uncomfortable, hey, though. man, uh-huh. look at that cool guy. He's wearing a leather jacket. And right. all. As opposed to going, like, you know, truly thinking outside the box. So- yeah, that makes sense 100% cuz what you're saying it's
0: it's the uniform. It's like I remember when I was a kid growing up, the punk rock uniform. You could go and you could buy the the studded jacket, you can buy the Doc Martens, you could buy the pants, you could have the whole uniform, but what you're saying is, is that that's just a uniform. What's inside the shell? What's inside the brain? What's inside that person's heart? And and, to, and like you said, to be a true rebel, you know, if and I'll even use an example as bands when I was growing up. You know, the dude that dressed the punkest usually wasn't the most. Gnarliest guy on the scene. It was the dude that just showed up in the t-shirt and regular haircut and he had the ideas and the thoughts that turned you on to different music and different people. And hey, I'm gonna put out my own record. And you're like, wow. I mean, you know, you look at some of the people in the scene, even that, you know, you and I wandered through. Um, Ben, a lot of the people, you know, whether it was like an Ian Mackay or something like that, they're just a guy, you know, t shirt and jeans, but he has amazing thoughts and his brain is so you know, um, amazing and rebellious. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. And I think the thing. That and I we, guess
0: what you're saying, I get what you're yeah. saying with the parents and the sense of with the pink nail polish, and that particular thing is like, hey, you can do that and, and do it. But what about you know what is what does that really mean? You know, and obviously this mom, it was a young kid, mm-hmm. and and you know they might not be at that point in their life. Yeah,
1: but still, you yeah. know, the, it's kind of like uh, the promise of perennial philosophy and of spirituality and all this deep inquiry that's occurred in mankind over the ages is that including, you know, Buddhism and so is that the manipulation of the physical world of phenomena is it's never going to get you what you want. It's just not, it's just another, you're playing. I look at it as like you're decorating your prison cell, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you've, you oh, We're all awesome. in these prison cells And there are those amongst us that have become experts at decorating them in just all these fanciful ways, and they talk in interesting ways, and they have these outfits, and they're like, they've basically made the best. They've really settled. That's what I think, though. Instead of thinking of liberation... Mm-hmm. Instead of thinking, like, how do I actually break out of prison? Okay, They're but- basically going, let's just make the best of that we're in prison.
2: So but, so a moment ago you said, I really am more interested in having my children be law-abiding citizens who are you know, capable radical of... Radical thinkers. Radical thinkers. But to me, I don't know how those two things exist because so many of our... You know, our current laws need to be challenged. And part of, I think, it's, a, it's another um, source of, you know, fear control that we say, if you challenge the system, if you, uh, you know, whatever, don't follow the rules, then there are, there's going to be a consequence. And to some extent, a person has to, to negotiate, okay, well, do I want my freedom to be limited by if I challenge this, my freedom may be limited, and then will I really be able to do the work of challenging the system if I'm behind bars? Just to take it to to mm-hmm. its extreme. So, how do you, as a parent, how do we, as parents, find that middle ground where where first of all we're encouraging them even to think about what it means to be a law-abiding citizen and that laws are creations of? Well, we're getting way philosophical in this particular episode, but but also um, you know to find to navigate our way through that. So, to be a good a good person does not necessarily mean being law abiding to be a radical thinker you know m- you may be abiding some laws but not always do you, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah like, I, I just do but I think that
1: to- the key is look this is a paradox that has been you know explored for thousands of years I think Jesus said it amazingly We said be in this world but not of it mm. and um I think the idea that to, to think for yourself mm-hmm. which is what was called awakening or enlightenment mm-hmm. um has nothing to do with the system you're living Mm -hmm. in. And you can be going through understanding that we're here in, the Buddhists call it samsara, the Hindus call it maya. Um, It's a world of illusion. It's a a prison to some Mm -hmm. degree. But to win back your own mind is a totally internal process. Now, yes, there is a process of healing as a planet that we're undergoing, um, hopefully, but... I believe that even those ideas stem from first actually winning back our own minds. So I think the urge to challenge the system, I went through this with my teenager a couple years ago when she started going on these teenage sort of rants about, oh, the environment and no one gets it and I just want to go and chain myself to a tree or, you Mm -hmm. know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, look, first, what are you seeing in the outside world? You're seeing forces of greed basically, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, that's really why people don't want, or complacency. Mm -hmm. First, conquer them in yourself. When you conquer them in yourself, you will know how to help others do it. If you try and start fighting this massive societal battle before you've dominated internally, Mm -hmm. the forces that are the same forces you're seeing outside. Yes. You just become like it's totally futile. It's like you don't even you become another parent yelling at your kid, totally hypocritically when you don't even know what you're talking okay, about. Okay, so I agree
2: one hundred and ten percent. Now I'm a parent listening to this, and I want to know. How, how does Ben Lee, how did you in that, in that moment, in those probably variety of, of, of many discussions with your 15 year old um, or when she was 13 or whatever, how did you, so it's one thing to say, that's a big bomb to drop, like conquer them in yourself. I mean, if I'm her, I'm going, how, what do I do? Like, tell me just one thing I can do and I'll do it. So what would that be?
1: Observe yourself. Okay. Notice. Notice. I mean, I, again, this is where it comes into the faith I personally have that there's an intelligence at work within each of us mm-hmm. that actually knows how to do this process. Mm-hmm. This is a process that I, I didn't invent it. I, I, no, you know, it's always existed. As long as there's been humans who could communicate, they've said, "Huh, there's a process here, isn't there?" And it's nothing that has to be taught. It's something that has to be accessed. Mm-hmm. So I believe if you are patient and you have a sincere questioning, Mm -hmm. it it unfolds itself, you know, so my interest isn't in dictating some step-by-step formula. I mean, this is a lot of what I see with like, it's interesting, um, you know, that we feel tempted into creating formulas um, as if it's that easy.
0: Mm -hmm. Whereas
1: truly, it's a process that we have to open up to and explore for ourselves. But if you like the idea of it, if you say, hmm, hmm, what if I start with myself? What if I I stop worrying about all the corruption out in Mm -hmm. the world and start by dealing with my own hypocrisy? Mm -hmm. That intention is very powerful. And when you are hypocritical and you catch yourself being out of integrity, you'll notice it and it's not going to feel good. And then you'll reflect on it and you'll think about it and you'll think, how could I have done that differently? Maybe you'll rectify it. Maybe you'll apologize or maybe you'll say, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to handle that differently next right. time, because some things are very private, you know? But I think all in all, it's something that is an experience
2: agreed. agreed. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, my personal opinion and 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 there's many people out there that would not agree with this. But I think that we have moved. Over the last, I would say, three thousand or so years, further and further away. Although I think we're starting to like come back and have this balance between like really extremely rational thought and something that is like back in connection with our internal selves. But I think the the moment we put God, whatever that means to you, outside of ourselves, mm-hmm. there's an objectification of God. Yeah. Um, never mind all the dogma and the rules that come with that. That we have effectively given up. Like, I mean, we are, we've moved as far, about as far away from that spiritual experience, that internal voice or listening or contemplation mm-hmm. as we could possibly
1: move. And that's why it's really important not to be arrogant in our um, explanation of the spiritual truths that we've perceived as adults towards our children, because they can smell it on us mm-hmm. when we're speaking not from experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you'd really ask me what do you know to be true spiritually? Mm-hmm. Like what have you really firsthand experienced? What I'll say to you is there's something there.
2: Mm. And that, is that what you would say to your girls? Yeah, yes.
1: there's something there. It's like I, I know there's something there. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to pretend I can fully map it out for you, but I'm also not going to pretend it doesn't exist. Right. There's something there. And that's enough. Am <laughs> I the only
0: one? And I, and I know people are listening are just like, I want Ben Lee to be my dad. <laughs> like, I don't know how, I love my dad so much and he listens to the podcast, but dad, if you're listening, I know you want Ben Lee to be your dad. How, yeah. oh my gosh. Like yes. I, 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 once again, you know, we've had a good show when I don't talk because was, I'm learning. So, uh, yeah.
2: Beautiful. And you know, I just want, I want to say one other thing just to kind of like, just put a. Just a, I don't know, something at the end of that last little back and forth is when my my little one, who's deeply inquisitive in a different way than my 20 year old is, she has, you know, because she hears her friends talk at school and she came home, you know, a few months ago and said, you know, what do you think? What is God? What, you know, what do you believe in God? And I said, when I think of God, I think of God as a verb, not as a noun. And she had just in school learned about, so we had to kind of do a recap on verbs and nouns. But to me, it's like that keeps us in this space of experience instead mm-hmm. of objectification. And it, can, it, it maintains um, a focus on the internal you know, what we come in with and exploring that as opposed to looking just like materialism and consumerism and all of that, looking outside ourselves for that, you know, back to the documentary where we started for that sense of success and and accomplishment and instead turning inward and knowing that it all exists within ourselves.
0: Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I just, uh, I want to, I want to touch on two things before we split. Okay. Uh, the first thing I was just going to say, you mentioned your daughter, and uh, I know you were talking about your stepdaughter. How was it? coming in as a, as a dad, because we get a lot of questions from, you know, mm. step-parents are like, I just, I have a stepdaughter, uh, or a stepson and I'm a dad or I'm, you know, on the mom's end. How, how did that, mm. like, was that, like, at what age did, did you become stepdad? And, and then you, you know, you've been, you know, you've been with her from, what was it from? Yeah.
1: Like four, four turning five. Yeah. So this, it's been 10 years. Yeah. Um, it's a very unique role. In our particular case, um her dad is super involved in her life. Like they're fully really co parent So in a way that potentially makes it more complicated. Mm-hmm. Because Absolutely. it's not like you're stepping into being a substitute father. You're filling in this whole other other role. Um so I don't know. <laughs> I I've really enjoyed it. It's been an interesting and a challenging experience. I, I think I'm probably the person in her parenting kind of unit. Mm-hmm. Unit is what she calls us in our group text. I love um, it. <laughs> that uh, – Does she call it the parenting unit? She just calls it unit. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> unit. Oh, <that's laughs> um, so good. But I think I'm probably the one in unit that uh, <laughs> has been as mm, passionate and protective about her spiritual interests and her um, – and so that's been a nice role to be able to assume. It's almost more like a godparent or something. Um to be able to have that conversation without the triggers of, like, with your own kids. You just get so crazy. Mm-hmm. And it's so much easier to see when that 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 biology thing isn't there. Mm-hmm. You can just think so much more objectively. Um, but, you know, I haven't been perfect. I, I've, it's been a learning experience. And um, I continue to learn about how to give her access to possibility. I mean, truly, like... If someone was listening right yeah. now, like
0: a, a dad or, a, or yeah. a mom coming into a marriage, and you know they've been dating and they've been with this child, and all of a sudden, okay, it's official—I'm your stepdad. What, what would you, what would you say to that listener, in the sense of what not to do? If, you, if there's two things you've learned, one thing to do and one thing not to do, what would be? We're very bare bones on this yeah, show, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, like,
1: yeah, well. <sighs> It's really hard. I'm not sure I have very good practical advice. I mean, it's funny. The thing that came into my mind is, say, hello... To the kid, like, like actually There's an individual there.
2: Yeah. Well, it's, I'm really looking forward to getting to know you because yeah, that's I mean, how just, I feel yeah. it. And I was reading again. Just wow, I'm just on a roll here. But I've been reading a lot of Osho lately, and he talks about this idea of what a great benefit it is. For children to have multiple people who quote unquote parent them, so that they have the opportunity to see a variety of role models. And when my oldest, my twenty-year-old, when we were first sort of creating this, you know, multiple parent family, right? She's got her dad is is uh, married, and so she basically has two sets of parents. And I said, "What a beautiful thing that you have four people to love you and to learn from, as opposed to it being this. Oh my gosh, my family has fallen apart." And she was five or six at the time so from very early on we talked earlier about that key age this has been her reality and I've always sort of framed it in this really beautiful positive way Mm. that it is an opportunity Mm. not something that she she's not lost out on having her two parents together forever instead she's gained
1: I I think it's it's interesting because it's connected to where we started the conversation which is also being in reality about the situation Mm -hmm. and I think it can be both I think we can have a I think we can live in the understanding that there is wreckage mm-hmm. and that we yeah. have created wreckage yes. in our lives. And we've brought children into that. And that's unfortunate. Um, yet we can have a positive attitude for the future. You know, when and I And what look is at, the
2: opportunity here?
1: Yeah. When I look at like the the Dalai Lama is someone who I really respect. And it's interesting with Tibetan Buddhism because they spend like their whole days meditating on their own mortality and impermanence. And it can be quite depressing in a sense, yet they're some of the happiest people. Um, And so I really believe there's something to be said for looking at the situation honestly Mm -hmm. and saying, you know what, in an ideal world, you would be with your mom and your dad Mm -hmm. in one family. There's nothing wrong with saying like, we actually weren't able to manifest the ideal situation at our current level of consciousness. Agreed. We just weren't able to do it. But from here on out, we're going to try and do the best we can do. Mm-hmm. And I think if we take this situation alchemically and use it to grow and to learn from each other and figure out how to do this together as a team, it can be a really, it can be a beautiful thing that we end up feeling grateful for.
2: I, I, we just can't do better than that. Yeah,
1: I think it has Love to it. end. Oh,
0: man, <laughs> Ben Lee, thank you so much for being a, a part. Of Thanks Rad for having me.
1: Did you enjoy thank it? You. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It went in a second.
0: That's it, how you know you're having fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I want to thank you so much for taking the time and. Uh, um, I can't wait for – on the music end, because I know you're working on a new record for everyone out there. When can yeah. we expect – So I've
1: got a record actually coming out in November. We're doing a super fast turnaround. It's um, it's called Freedom, Love, and the Recuperation of the Human Mind. I've I love that have got Sarah title. Watkins and Grantly Phillips on it. And it's a beautiful record. And I've got another band. I've started with my friend Josh Radner, who's an actor. Um, we have a band called um, Love Songs for God and Women. And that we're actually doing. When's this going to be up? Ah, uh, this will be up next. This will be up next week. Next week. Okay, yeah, so show? on Friday. Friday um, the date. The, is it the sixteenth? Yeah, it it'll be sixteenth. It? Oh no, no, twenty sixth. No, twenty sixth. Um, we're playing at the our first ever show at the hotel cafe, and oh, then again right down the street. following, and then the following Friday again. And so then do a little residency. Yeah, just two, okay. no, two, two weeks, and then we're going to make an album, um, and uh, and yeah, it's just. I mean, I'm always just trying to stay creative and follow all these interesting threads and see where they go
0: i love it yeah. uh and i i gotta say um you know when you played that one party where the first time i ever met yeah. you I, I'll, and i was i was telling me, uh, my son was there and you just you know you two had been talking he's playing music and then i, I always will always remember you just going hey man do you want to play a song and you totally like put him on the spot and he was like all right and then it was just one of those moments like i think i even have a photo of like him playing piano and like, well he, he was, was
1: he did great you know and also like that's part of the thing as an artist you sort of come to realize when it's literally just an invitation. Some yeah. people are waiting. But for it was <laughs> so cool. It was so cool because everyone was there to, you know, hear you play your jams. One, and
2: you... what a beautiful opportunity to to invite Nate to like just like give us a little bit of yourself. Like, yeah. w- would would you mind? Would yeah. you be so kind? It was and awesome. I, I it was it.
0: awesome. Um, hey, I want to thank everyone uh, for all the emails. They keep coming in. RadParenting at gmail.com Also, go to our uh, page and um, you can check out our Facebook, Facebook page. page. Yep, go to our Facebook page. Hit us a little like on there, and um, we. We've got a ton more guests coming up uh, before the end of the year. And also... Um, I want to let you guys know, too, we're going to have a big, um, like we're doing like a special end of the year. I haven't even told Anaya about this, like a wow. giveaway type thing that we're going to do. And, and I'm, I'm really excited about it. So I'm working on that. And uh, I want to thank everyone once again for all of those reviews on iTunes. That's, that's amazing. We love them. Yeah. And it always gets us in front of uh, more people. I always feel bad at the end, like go and review us on iTunes. But it only turns more people onto the show. With that said, we are going to split. Ben Lee, thank you so much. You Thank come back you. and hang out again. Yeah,
1: man, anytime. I will bring that's... my wife next time. She's got <gasps> good things to say. Oh, that would be great. Goes, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. oh well, let's just <laughs> can we do <laughs> that before he leaves the building? That's <laughs> okay, <good enough. laughs> okay, we'll hook it up.
0: Uh, uh, and we we have a tradition at the end is where I say uh, all right, and then before we bail, we say late. We say like as in later. Sorry, oh, so you right. ready? You yeah, can yeah, participate. So I'm gonna, we're waiting. So I'm just. going to point at you? I'm going to cue you. You ready? All right. So this is Joe Sib and Anaya Bo, and for Rap parenting, we're out of here. Late.